0: Daniel chapter 6. This will be the last sermon that we're going to look at in this series, Unshakable Faith. uh, The series through uh, the first six chapters of Daniel. The concepts that we've been looking at is how to have an unshakable faith uh, in a world that is anti-Christian, anti-God, anti-holiness. A world that says live however you want Whenever you want, do whatever you want, whenever you want. Uh, That's the world that these guys, these people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put into. Think back, this is the exile, the Jewish exile period. The nation of Israel was uh, divided into two. Uh, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. The northern kingdom had fallen uh, several, several years before Judah. Uh, Judah has now fallen to the Babylonian Empire because they rebelled against God. And prophet after prophet after prophet tried to get their attention. And they ignored the call to repent and turn back to God. And so they, are, they have been for all 65, 70 years to this point in Daniel suffering the consequences of sin. But God has still been working God is working through these consequences. God is working through these challenging times. God is working to get the attention of the Jewish people. And he has, and they will in short order be returning to the promised land. He has also been working to get the attention of pagans like the Babylonians. And even now in chapter 6, the Medes and the Persians. to to get their attention, to show the world that he is the most high God. So Daniel 6, kind of Daniel 4 and 5, we we saw the grace of God and we saw the wrath of God being poured out on two different kings. Daniel chapter 6, there's a new regime. Darius is in place. The Medes and the Persians have conquered. The Babylonians are no more. Daniel and his friends are roughly in their 80s. They were 15 when they were ripped from their homes. And now they're old men who have learned to thrive, survive, and remain holy in an unholy world. A lot of that had to do with the habits that they had developed before getting there and the habits that they continued to have when they got there. For sure, they would have had habits of reading the scriptures. They would have spent time, uh, maybe they had them memorized if they didn't have copies of the text. They would have spent time meditating on these scriptures that they had memorized, that their parents had taught them. They had the habit of praying and seeking God's guidance. And you see this all throughout the story. When they have faced challenges, they prayed. But in Daniel chapter 6, we see three other habits that have led to these men being able to remain holy in an unholy world. The first habit we see is in chapter 6, verse 1. Daniel made it a habit for all these years, 65, 70 years, his life. He made it a habit to honor God. Verse 1. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm. And over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to those three, to them, so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and the satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and the satraps therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could find no charge of corruption. No charge or corruption. For he was trustworthy. No negligence or corruption was found in him. Daniel had lived a life that was so holy a life that honored god he made it a habit of every day every moment of every day every decision that he had to make would be one that honored god so much so that not even the people who were looking to find fault with him could find anything wrong he he honored god with the insight that he showed with his intelligence with his wisdom he honored God under Nebuchadnezzar by by being a man of integrity, a man who didn't uh, uh, put up a. Uh, he wasn't a man of outrage. He was a man who just ever asked God, "What do I do to honor You here?" I would do. I was talking to Steve before church. I would do good to ask this question before every basketball, football game, baseball game I go to. Is what I'm getting ready to speak to an official going to honor God? (laughs) Anybody with me? Sports. Is Is what is getting ready to come out of my mouth going to honor the Lord? Maybe if I asked that question before going into the sporting events, I'd learn to keep my mouth shut because that's about the only thing I can say with bad referees that I'll honor God is nothing every situation Daniel faced he says how can I honor God how can I serve God 65 years of asking the same question 65 years two kingdoms two kings I mean you know that new kings come in and new kingdoms come in and they often kill everybody from the old regime right Daniel was such a man of wisdom, such a man of integrity, such a holy, God-honoring man that the world was able to see that. The world was able to see that Daniel is different. He's not a gossiper. He's not a backbiter. He's not going around doing things to to get ahead. He just simply lives his life honoring God. Which kind of leads into the next habit. The second habit is he was, he was in the habit of pleasing God and not people. Daniel made it a habit of pleasing God, not people. If you look in verse 5, the story continues. Uh, again, remember, there's people trying to, to attack Daniel. All the other satraps and the other two administrators, they, they're trying to tear Daniel down. So verse 5, then these men said, well, we will, ne-, said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So basically they're saying, look, we've got to put him at odds with the king and his God. We've got to find a way to make him choose, are you going to honor God or are you going to honor the king? And so these very sneaky, conniving uh, Persians, Medes, verse 6, the administrators of the satraps, they went together to the king, and they said, May King Darius live forever. Brown nosers, right? That's what they are. Uh, There's other words. Uh, Suck ups. Oh, King, you're so awesome. Oh, King, we love you so much. May you live forever. All the administrators, verse 7. And the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors have agreed. So, apparently, everybody has agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions or prays to any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict, sign the document. So that as a law of the Mede and the Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So the king's like, yeah, it'd be pretty nice to be worshipped for 30 days. It'd be pretty nice to have people praying to me for 30 days. I'll sign that document. When Daniel, verse 10, learned that the document had been signed. Watch this if he wanted to please the king if he wanted to make the king happy if he wanted to please all these other administrators his peers, the who's who of the new empire he would have went along with this but when Daniel learned that the document had been signed he went into his house and he opened and the windows in its upstairs room were opened toward Jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. The habit of prayer, the habit of honoring God, the habit of caring more about what God thinks than what people think is on full display. But of course, verse 11, then these men went as a group, found Daniel Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked the king about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict for that thir- so that for 30 days any person who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, As the law of the Medes and the Persians, the order stands. It is irrevocable. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed for he prays three times a day. Tattletales, that's what these are. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Then these men went together to the king and said, You know, your majesty, that, this is the, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. Daniel was faced with a choice. Please the king, please these other people, and save his life. Be accepted into that society, or honor and please his God, and be thrown into a den of lions. Daniel chose to please God over people. He chose, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Daniel said, we will please God god even if it kills us we will please god even if we have to sit alone in the cafeteria we will please god even if it means getting fired from my job we will please god even if it means making everybody else in the world angry we will please and honor god no matter what and and listen here's the thing you're never going to make everybody happy i mean you know that right There's no way that Daniel could have made these people happy. I mean, how much better of a person do you get? There's nothing wrong with him. He's as close to perfect from a biblical standpoint as you get without your name being Jesus. Obviously, Jesus was ultimately perfect. Daniel would have had mistakes and he would have been a sinner. But Daniel was so close to perfection. And yet he still can't make everybody happy. There's times in life we're not going to make people happy. So the question becomes, what makes God happy? What pleases God? Jesus told his disciples, listen, you 12, you're going to go through it. The world hated me. They're going to hate you. Paul tells a a young pastor named Timothy, he says, all who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. That's it. When We we can either try to please those around us, we can accept the direction of the world and the direction it is going just to make people happy, or we can please God. You know, churches in the culture we live, churches have a choice. Churches can please the world and fill their pews with thousands and thousands of people by making them happy and making them feel good and saying exactly what they want to hear, accepting any lifestyle that's out there. Or a church can say, we're going to stand on the truth of God's word no matter what. might be smaller, but it'll be healthy and it'll be holy. All churches, especially in this country, are facing that dilemma. Are we going to please God or are we going to please people? Because churches who say they're going to please God, they may very well end up in the metaphorical lion's den. So Daniel decides he's going to do what he's always done. He's going to pray. And not only is he going to pray, he's going to make sure he does it in the same room he's always done it in, a room that is open to the world. He's not going to go hide. Now, I do want to step back for a moment and just say this. We have missionaries, and we have churches all across Asia who are secret churches. They are hidden from the government. That's not the same thing we see here. Okay, Those churches are, are, and those missionaries are reaching people. And they live their life openly Christian. They just meet in secret. So they can continue to do the work that God has called them to do. But Daniel opened his doors. Knowing that the peeping toms were up in the tree. See, I bet he's going to pray today. Taking little notes. 8 a.m., prayed. Noon, prayed. Had a whole list they could take to their king. Daniel didn't care. John Piper says this. He says, daring, defiant, and discipled prayer is, the exp- is what Daniel is doing. He notes that Daniel's public praying was not for a prideful show, but for a public testimony. It was a public statement about the glory of God over the glory of Darius. God's glory is above the glory of a king. So Daniel chose God. Do we fear the reaction of men? Or do you fear the reaction of people or God? What scares you the most? What people think about you or what God thinks about you? I hope it's what God thinks about you. The last habit I think we see is that Daniel had made a habit of trusting God in every situation. Again, you see that all the way through. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made it a habit of trusting God in every single situation. Verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Now, I want you to get a picture. I want you to get it right. A lot of times we see pictures of this, or children's Sunday school lessons, and Daniel's often depicted as a teenager or a young man. Daniel's 80 years old when they throw him into this lion's den. Okay, he's not a young man. They probably didn't have to push him too hard. Okay, he he, he just fell in there at 80 years old. I just want you to, I want you to know that. That this 80-year-old man who had been faithful all of these years said, I will remain faithful. And the king said, continuing in verse 16, may your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. Even the king loves Daniel. Even the king has seen the power of the Most High, where he's like, Daniel, I made a mistake. I wrote the edict. There's nothing I can do about it, but I hope your God saves you. Darius says, may your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. When the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, no, no, no diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God whom you continually served been able to rescue you from the lion's den? And then Daniel spoke with the, spoke with the king. May the king live forever. You, you've got to see that as just what did the, what did, what did the bad guys say? King, live forever. And Daniel says, King, live forever. These are two old guys. Darius is probably in his 60s. They're friends. This isn't any, it's not downgrading or degrading the most high. It's just a sign of respect. Daniel said, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths, and they haven't harmed me. For I was found innocent before him, and also before you, your majesty. I your majesty, I have not done harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed their bones. See, lions were pretty hungry. God wouldn't let them eat Daniel. Listen, Daniel trusted God in this situation, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if the lions would have tore him apart, Daniel trusted God. Daniel looked in the face of death and said, I trust God. I know that trusting God in our life and in our world is not always the easiest thing. And I think what makes it so hard for us to trust God is we can't see the future. Daniel couldn't see the future. I imagine being torn apart by lions would not be a quick, easy, painless death. And Daniel said, God, you got me. God, you got me. Whatever happens, you got me. He didn't know what was going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen when we face situations. We 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 don't know what happens when we go through transitions. We don't... We don't know what's going to happen in our marriages. We don't know what's going to happen in our families. We don't know what's going to happen at work if the economy turns. We don't know what's going to happen in our churches. We don't know what's going to happen uh, at school. We don't know what's going to happen at college. We don't know because we can't see the future. But God does. God sees it. God knows exactly what will happen if you trust him. And not every outcome is the outcome we want, but it's the outcome that God has planned for us. It is an outcome that will bring God glory and be for our good. We just have to trust him. We just have to say, God, I trust you. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why. Daniel's like, like, I've never done anything wrong in my entire life except serve you. God, why am I getting thrown into this pit? And all God says, trust me. Trust me. Joseph, you read the Old Testament about a guy named Joseph. Who, his life w- was lived honoring God and living for God and doing the right thing, and he found himself in bad situation over bad situation in bad situation until one day it all worked out for the glory of God and for his good and for the good of God's people because God's got a plan that we don't always see. We just have to trust him. We have to trust him in the fiery furnace, trust him in the lion's den, and trust the outcome to him because God knows what we don't. And the last thing I just want to say is the same thing we've said pretty much every week. When God's people are faithful, the glory of God will be seen by the faithless. Remember, the the overarching plan, the overarching sovereignty of God working here is to get people's attention to get them to worship the most high god king darius in verse 25 uh, then king darius wrote to those of every every people every nation every language who lived on the whole earth may your prosperity abound i issue a decree that in all my royal dominion people must tremble in fear before the god of daniel For he is the living God and endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. There's so much familiar New Testament language here in that that verse 26, 27. The living God who endures forever, his kingdom will never be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and delivers and performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. When Jesus walked this earth, he performed signs and wonders and miracles because the kingdom of God will never end. The kingdom of God will never be defeated. And you're like, well, look at, look at Israel today. God's kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. It is a new heaven and a new earth. It is a kingdom that will not be defeated because Christ defeated sin and death on the cross. In fact, we would look at the story of Daniel in the lion's den as a, a type of Jesus. I mean, think about it for a moment. It's just a, a type, a projection of what's to come. Daniel thrown into a tomb with lions tomb sealed by the king guards were put there the next day king runs to the tomb much like the Mary's did on that Easter morning and Daniel comes out again Daniel is not Jesus but it's a type pointing us to our savior who will be buried in a tomb for three days and who will come out alive and well conquering sin and death because the kingdom of God will never, ever be defeated. Do you honor God? Do you please God instead of people? Do you trust God with tomorrow? Do you trust God with the next hour of your life? Do you trust his plan for your life? Even if it leads you to the lion's den, will you trust him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time of worship. Father, help us to be in the habit of honoring you with everything that comes out of our mouth. Help us to honor you with everything we type on a keyboard. Help us to honor you with our actions. Help us to honor you with our emotions. Help us to honor you above all else. Help us to live lives pleasing to you even if it's displeasing to other people. And Father, just help us to trust you Help us to know that you are absolutely 100% in control of every situation we face. We just have to surrender our life to you. We have to surrender our selfishness. We have to surrender our, our agendas. We have to surrender our thoughts and our emotions to you and just trust you to help us to grow and to be the people you have created us and desire us to be. We pray that all of it will be done for your glory, and that your glory would be displayed to the nations. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.